Who is Japanese pitcher Shota Imanaga that's drawing a lot of interest this free agency? Find out everything you need to know on today's Locked on Red Sox. You are Locked on Red Sox, your daily Boston Red Sox podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked On Red Sox, your daily Boston Red Sox podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Gabby Hurlbut, former ESPN social media associate and current host of the Boston Balling Podcast. And I am here to bring you the latest in all things Boston Red Sox straight to your favorite podcast feed. And you want to know the best part? It's free. So if it's free, you have nothing to lose. Might as well check it out. It can be caught on any podcast platform, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's $150 if your team wins. Visit FanDuel.com slash Lockdown to get started. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the show, and we still wait in angst for the Boston Red Sox to enhance their pitching staff to create a more competitive rotation this offseason, and rumors are going around that the Red Sox are a team in the mix for Japanese pitching star Shota Imanaga. Now, he hasn't gotten nearly the same amount of hype this offseason as Yamamoto did. And Yamamoto, I mean, will probably be an absolute star in L.A. So props to him for picking a team he really wanted to go to and finding the right spot for him. But now the question becomes, who really has a chance at Shota Imanaga? And is he somebody that the Red Sox could bring over here and help improve the pitching staff. So on today's show, I'm going to be going over everything you need to know about him, as well as discussing a potential trade for White Sox ace Dylan Cease. Does that make sense for Boston or no? And finally, going to be talking about an outfielder that the Red Sox seem to be focusing their efforts on and why he could make sense in Boston. So lots to discuss today, but the important one is Imanaga. He's been a little underhyped and underrated this offseason. He is a pitcher who can come and make the Red Sox rotation better. Now, granted, there's always risk involved when it comes to signing somebody who is unproven in Major League Baseball. So you don't know whether their skills are all going to be able to translate over or if there's going to be a little bit of a grace period where that player is trying to figure things out and resettle in Major League Baseball. So that could happen. But one of the most important things to note about Shota Imanaga is that he beat Team USA to win the gold medal for in the World Baseball Classic. He was actually the winning pitcher for the Japanese team in the gold medal game. He drew the start against the U.S. and pitched two innings of one-run ball with a pair of strikeouts, getting Cedric Mullins and Paul Goldschmidt, which are obviously great hitters. His 
a strikeout of Goldschmidt was particularly impressive because he sent him down on three pitches, and that was the reigning National League MVP we're talking about here at the time. So what he threw to him on the third pitch was just a nasty 84-mile-per-hour splitter on the low outside corner of the plate, completely tricked Goldschmidt. So he was really impressive in that game, and that goes to show that he can perform on the international stage. So many eyes were on these players during the World Baseball Classic, and it says a lot about a pitcher if he can pitch on that type of stage and not fold under the pressure. So when it comes to trying to find a pitcher to bring to the team that could help put the Red Sox back in contention for being a World Series team, we know that he's somebody who probably could handle the pressure of pitching in the postseason because he looked good against every country he faced too, not just against the U S he pitched in three games total during the WBC prior to the championship game against team USA. He also had strong appearances against South Korea during pool play in Italy in the quarterfinals. He pitched three innings and allowed just one run with three strikeouts against Korea giving Japan time to break open what had been a close game. He struck out Cardinals' Tommy Edmond during that stint who was playing for Korea in the tournament. And then against Italy, he pitched a scoreless inning of relief with two strikeouts following up on a strong start by Shohei Otani. So he's had moments where he's in a national spotlight and he was able to perform, which makes me feel good about him coming in and being able to handle that pressure, especially pitching in a place like Boston, because there's a lot of pressure on you. If you come and pitch at a place like Fenway park, lots of eyes on you, lots of people expecting you to perform at a very competitive and high level. So if he can do what he did in the world baseball classic and have seemingly strong starts every time without really struggling that much, That's super promising for him moving forward. Another thing to note about him that's positive is he bounced back from shoulder surgery to dominate. So he actually underwent season-ending left shoulder surgery in 2020, which was a procedure that also kept him out of the 2020 Olympics in Tokyo. But he then came back in 2021 and posted his best seasons ever in 2022 and 2023. So that to me feels like as unfortunate as it was that he got injured and had to get surgery. It sounds like after the surgery, he became a better pitcher and was able to really maximize his talent because the last two seasons have been his best. Over those last two seasons, he went 18 and 8 in 43 outings with a 253 earned run average and 306 strikeouts in 291 and two-thirds innings. His ERA was well under three in both 2022 when it was a 2.26 and in 2023 when it was a 2.80. And he averaged 10.6 strikeouts per nine innings, which was his career best for a full season as was his really strong 7.25 strikeout to walk ratio. He only issued 24 walks to go with 174 Ks. That's huge. The Red Sox in 2023 had some pitchers who 
had problems with walking guys. So they would give up a lot of walks and then it resulted in them not being able to pitch a lot of innings. And then as I've talked about before, it led to the bullpen being overworked and having to pitch too many outings in a row or having to come in to a game earlier than the bullpen should be used because the starter wore out his arm by walking guys. So it seems like Imanaga's control is very good to the point where he fools hitters way more often than not and doesn't really surrender a lot of walks. That's material for somebody that the Red Sox need in that front part of their starting rotation. If they're looking for a true number one or number two, Imanaga being a number one is way too soon to say, but I think he definitely can be a number two for sure. He has good stuff and he showed it off on the international stage. Basically, his pitching repertoire includes a mid-90s fastball from the left side and two good secondary pitches in a slider and a splitter. He also here and there does mix in a curveball too. Um, so between all of these pitches, he averages about 94.4 miles per hour on his fastball, 84.1 miles per hour on the splitter, 82.8 miles per hour on the slider and 73.1 miles per hour on the curveball. That's very good fastball velocity for a left-handed starter and a high spin, which shows to me that that's a fastball that will generate a lot of swings and misses. And that's probably why his strikeout rate was so high in Japan. The splitter also intrigues me because he has very good velocity on that pitch. And with him being a lefty, it's very rare to be strong with pitching a splitter. Not many left-handers can even really throw a splitter much at all, but the fact that he has that pitch on his resume can already help put him above a lot of left-handed pitchers in terms of his ability level. So there's a lot of things about him that are important to note. He's 30 years old and he's played in eight seasons in the NPB, which is the Japanese league, basically the equivalent to Major League Baseball. In 2023, over 22 games, he pitched to a 7-4 and four record with a 2.80 ERA in that 174 strikeouts. He pitched 148 innings. There's So because of all of that, there is a lot to highlight about him that is promising. The question now, though, becomes, are the Red Sox really one of the teams that he's considering? Are they a team that are on the top of his radar? Not much has come out about the Red Sox in terms of who they're really considering and they're serious about. So we won't really know how serious they really are about Imanaga and wanting to sign him. There could be other teams that are a lot more interested and are going to choose to offer him more money than what the Red Sox will. But we don't know that for sure. But either way, the Red Sox should be out there and be aggressive in getting him because he will be at least a two or three starter in the rotation, which will absolutely make the rotation better than what it is now. But at the end of the day, it's his choice. So whatever he decides is what will happen. But I'm hoping he ends up coming to Boston. Coming up, should the Red Sox trade for a White Sox 
pitching ace? Does it make sense? You'll find out next. Do you love sports betting? Is it something that you find yourself doing all the time? If so, FanDuel is the best place for you. The NFL regular season is wrapping up, but there's still time to get in on the action with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. That's $150 in bonus bets, win or lose. The app is so easy to use, and there are so many different ways to bet, like live same-game parlays, find bets in the new Explore tab, make a parlay in the Parlay Hub, the best way to find popular parlays, and more. So visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn and make your first bet a layup. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. FanDuel is so much fun because it gives you so many different options to win. It's a very forgiving sports betting app. So definitely download FanDuel today. Also, while you're downloading FanDuel, you should download the SiriusXM app because that'll actually give you the home broadcast of every Red Sox game straight to your phone so you don't have to worry about missing anything. And if you're anything like me, not being able to miss a pitch is a fantastic thing. So download the SiriusXM app today and search Red Sox, and it'll generate that broadcast for you so you don't have to worry about missing a single pitch. It's really nice. You definitely won't want to miss a single pitch in 2024 if the Red Sox truly do acquire that ace to fill in that top spot in the rotation. One player who is being made available in a potential trade scenario is White Sox ace Dylan Cease. He is somebody who had a 2023 season that wasn't really up to par with what his standards are, but he is still one of the best pitchers in the league. He finished second in American League Cy Young voting in 2022, and he posted a 3.54 ERA while averaging 11.4 strikeouts per nine innings in 97 starts over the last three seasons. Another positive thing about Cease is he's only 28 years old and he's under club control for two more years. So basically that means that if the Red Sox were to trade for him, they would know they have him for another two seasons, which is promising. So he is a pitcher who's going to be highly desirable. I'm sure a lot of teams will be calling about him if the White Sox are indeed serious about trading him. And he would immediately become the Red Sox best starter for 2024. There's no question about that. He is 100% an ace and somebody that the Red Sox could really use in their pitching staff. The question, though, is, is it worth the trade? And is it something the Red Sox can afford to do? Because the asking price right now for Chicago is very high. Someone is going to end up probably acquiring him. But he's not on a different team right now because the White Sox asking price is very high and nobody has met that yet. So if the Red Sox are serious about a trade for him, they're going to have to be prepared to give away what the White Sox view as ceases value. And when you're giving up your ace, that's a lot of value that you are crediting this person with. So if you picture maybe three of the five Red Sox top prospects 
that's who we're looking at here as a likely trade scenario. We're looking at guys like Marcelo Meyer, Roman Anthony, Kyle Teal, um, Sadam Rafaela even. If you throw in guys like that, those are the types of players that the White Sox are going to be looking for. And so the question here becomes – is that worth it for the Red Sox or not? Because what the Red Sox have been working towards the last few years is trying to get that sustainability in the farm system so that they can develop a solid young core of players that they can eventually call up to help be part of a championship team. And Heim Bloom, when he was in his tenure with the Red Sox, did a great job of acquiring talent from other farm systems at the minor league level to really grow other areas within the Red Sox organization. So when the Red Sox look at their current situation now, they have to decide, are they in a position right now where they can go and trade for somebody like Dylan Cease and give up those top prospects like some of those guys I just mentioned or are they better off not trading for Cease and continuing to build around those young players? And then when those guys get called up, then they maybe try to acquire an ace caliber starter to go around them eventually. It's truly disappointing that free agency hasn't really gone the way Red Sox fans want it to go because John Henry and crew seem to not want to open the wallets and not commit to a lot of big contracts this offseason. I mean, they committed to Lucas Giolito for a couple of years for a relatively hefty contract, but they don't seem to want to go all out besides more than that. And they have said in the past that they're going to look to the trade market to try to improve the roster more so than really in free agency. And I wonder if because of them saying that, that means Cease is somebody who's on their radar. There's pros and cons to both scenarios, but if the Red Sox did decide to trade for Cease, obviously it's a great addition to that rotation and automatically makes the rotation a lot more competitive. But at the same time, you would then look at it and say, well, if the Red Sox were going to take the last few years to be okay with last place finishes in their division, and granted, it's a very competitive division, or arguably the best division in baseball, but even still, are the Red Sox going to be okay with all of that and being at the bottom because they're trying to rebuild and develop some of these young guys in the farm system, only to then trade away those top guys for a number one starter right now that could send so many mixed messages to Red Sox nation. It either says one, okay, we're serious about winning. Now we're in win now mode. We're going to get that ACE caliber top of the rotation guy in Dylan cease. And people could look at it and say, well, the Red Sox just made a move that showed they're legitimately serious. So good for them. Or it can send a message that says, well, what have we been doing for the last few years? Then all of this, appears to have been a waste because we have these top prospects that we've been so focused on developing the last few years. And now all of a sudden the Red Sox are okay with parting ways with those top prospects. So I think there's a lot of mixed feelings surrounding whether that's the right move for the Red Sox to make 
or not. I'm more in the camp of it wouldn't make sense. I think the asking price right now is too high, and the Red Sox have something really good going down in the minor leagues right now. And once all of these guys come up, the Red Sox will be really competitive, and then they can start to say, all right, we just need an ace caliber pitcher to fill out this team, and then we'll be a World Series team. In that situation, I think it's a little bit different, but with where the Red Sox are at right now, it's almost like, okay, yes, getting Dylan Cease would be amazing for the Red Sox right now, but how much better does just him alone make the Red Sox as a whole? Does he make that difference? Does he alone make enough of a difference where the Red Sox can be a World Series contending team in 2024? That's the question you need to ask. And if the answer to that is no, they still would need more, then it might not make sense to do that type of trade right now and wait till they have more of the pieces in place and that core of players that they've been working so hard to develop in the minors and calling those guys up and then giving them their opportunity. And then when an ace truly is the only thing that's missing from that, scenario then maybe they say okay we need an ace now if the asking price for cease was a little bit lower then i would say we should definitely try to at least have the conversation and consider it but i don't blame the white Sox for having a high asking price i mean he's a really talented pitcher and you're not going to just trade your ace and get what you don't feel like is equal value in return so i don't blame them the Red Sox thinking only they know, but I'm inclined to feel like they're at least having the conversation, but I have a feeling they would say no, knowing that they'd have to give up some of that core that they've been working so hard to revamp and develop over the last few seasons. What can they do now though, that won't involve giving up prospects? Find out next. I know we can't come to sports to escape from some of the crazy realities of real life, but we can we talk just for a minute about preparing for real life? According to the FDA, pharmacies are running out of antibiotics like amoxicillin right in the middle of the worst flu season in over a decade. This is scary. I can't imagine a more helpless feeling than if my fiance or one of my family members got sick while a supply chain issue kept them from the life-saving medication they needed. Thankfully, we'll be okay because of Jace Medical. The Jace case is a pack of five different antibiotics to treat a long list of bacterial illnesses, including UTIs, respiratory infections, sinusitis, skin infections, among others. This stuff could happen to any of us. Visit jacemedical.com and complete your physician encounter. It will be reviewed by a board-certified physician, and your medications will be dispensed by a licensed pharmacy at a fraction of the regular cost. It's never been more important to be prepared than today. Go to jaysmedical.com and use offer code LOCKEDON to get $20 off your order. Having that security is definitely nice. You absolutely want to make sure you're feeling protected and feel safe, so purchase that Jace case today. 
Also, don't forget to download the SiriusXM app because you can actually get the home broadcast of every Red Sox game straight to your phone. So you don't have to worry about missing anything. Isn't that so non-stressful? So if you have to work late or something and you can't get home in time for when the game starts, you can at least put it on in your car and listen to it. So it's a great way to feel like you're not missing out on any of the action. So download SiriusXM today. And you also should subscribe to Lockdown Sports Today on YouTube as Lockdown has launched the first ever National Sports 24-7 streaming channel. Lockdown Sports Today is here for you 24-7, covering the top sports stories of the day with the local experts of Lockdown, plus our national shows covering every league. Go to Lockdown Sports Today on YouTube and subscribe to the first ever National Sports 24-7 streaming channel. It's so exciting for Lockdown, and it's a great way for you to stay in the loop on everything going on with sports. So definitely subscribe to Lockdown Sports today on YouTube. The Boston Red Sox are in a situation where it doesn't seem like they want to dish out a lot of free agent contracts this offseason. But there is a player that I think would be worth it for the Red Sox to bring onto the team this offseason, and that's outfielder Jorge Soler. The team missed out on Teoscar Hernandez. He ended up signing with the Dodgers. And that was a tough blow because that was a player the Red Sox really could have used, especially with his significantly high offensive numbers at Fenway Park. He's somebody that would have been a great addition in that outfield. But because they lost out on him, it almost makes getting another right-handed bat with power that much more crucial. They have a very lefty-heavy batting order right now, so bringing in a righty to help balance that out could be key. Jorge Soler is a player who doesn't have the same type of defensive ability as Hernandez does, but his bat could make him worth it anyway for the Red Sox. He is drawing other interest from teams like the Mariners, Diamondbacks, Blue Jays, Nationals, and his 2023 team of the Marlins. When he was in Miami, he batted 250 and crushed 36 home runs and 75 RBIs. He could fit in very well at the top of the Red Sox order and fit in very well with what the Red Sox are trying to do longer term. He opted out of the final season of his three-year $36 million contract with the Marlins following this past season, and they might still be able to bring him back, but the Red Sox should very much be as much in the mix for him as they can. And I say as much in the mix because this is the type of player that it seems like almost is a must at this point. He recorded 75 RBIs in 2023, and scored 77 runs. He also hit 36 home runs and had an on-base percentage of 341 with a slugging percentage of 512. Those are good offensive numbers, and his bat could do absolute wonders at Fenway. The reason that I would love to see him in a Boston Red Sox uniform is because he's a talented veteran player who can come in here and help out some of the younger guys Although he's not the best defensively, his bat might cancel that out anyway and make it worth it for the Red Sox. And because of the fact that they already have an overhaul of outfielders, so it could give them a good chance to wheedle out the 
outfielders who aren't as strong. For example, if they were to bring in Soler, then they could move Yoshida to a full-time designated hitter position because his defense is very much not that strong. So if the Red Sox want to be able to enhance their defense, they could move Yoshida to DH because they don't really have an official full-time DH now with Justin Turner not being on the team as of right now. So Yoshida could be that guy who plays DH primarily, and then the starting outfield could look something like Tyler O'Neill, Jorge Soler, and Jaron Duran, and then they can try to trade Will Abreu for pitching because he's somebody who will probably get some good value, a good return, because when he was called up in 2023, he was hitting the ball very well and played good defense. So that's probably attractive to teams. Again, it's not a huge sample size with him, but I think we saw enough from him where he would draw interest from teams. And that's all we need right now is for him to draw interest. And if the Red Sox were to move him, they could hopefully get, you know, a young controllable starting pitcher out of the deal. And then they could keep Rafaela on as a fourth outfielder who also platoons in the infield. And then Rob Snyder, who pretty much is the utility guy that plays wherever. I love him for that, for being able to be that flexible guy who can really play at any spot in the infield or the outfield. So that would be a solid starting outfield. That would be a better outfield than they had in 2023 overall in terms of the combination of offensive and defensive ability between all three. There isn't really a major defensive liability there. So Lair's defense isn't the best, but it's not where Yoshida's was. And I don't want the Red Sox to move Yoshida. I think unless the best opportunity in the world comes up and they can't turn it down. I think it makes sense to keep Yoshida. You can't really write him off after one season, especially because he was trying to get himself acclimated and Fenway Park's not an easy park to get acclimated to when you're playing on it for the first time. So I want to give him another shot his second year. From an offensive standpoint, he was pretty good. He produced some good offensive numbers, especially in the first half of the season. So I only expect that to continue with him. But if I'm the Red Sox, I'm looking at it and saying, we don't have to start him in the outfield because his defense isn't very good anyway. So we could replace him in the outfield with Soler and then he can move to a full-time designated hitter role so that there's not that defensive liability that he had. And this isn't to say that Yoshida can't get better defensively or that he won't. It's just more saying, what if he isn't able to, then the Red Sox wouldn't have to really worry about having to figure out what the problem is there or figure out, you know, what they need to do to help him improve on his defense. And it would take a lot of pressure off of him because he'd be going out there to hit, which is something he does best. And he's really strong with, and you can tell he's much more confident at the plate than he is in the field anyway. So mentally it could be a good situation for him because it could make him feel like he's, in a spot where he has less pressure on him and he's only doing something that he truly feels comfortable doing. So there's a lot of question marks with this still. Do I think Jorge Soler would be a fit? Absolutely. I think, you know, offensively in Miami, 250 isn't the best for, you know, 
a batting average, but it's a good enough number where there's definitely promise there. And especially at a park like Fenway, he could really excel there. And I think for him, you know, I don't blame him for opting out of his, the last year of his contract and exploring free agency and seeing what's out there. But because he did that, the Red Sox have to make the best offer for him if they're serious. They absolutely have to. They have to give him basically an offer he can't refuse. And again, because Hernandez chose to sign with the Dodgers instead, it becomes even more important that the Red Sox land somebody like Soler because the talent is definitely there. It fills a huge need for the Red Sox in the outfield and balances out that lineup with another right-handed bat so it could put them in a good spot for the lineup come opening day. So again, only the Red Sox know what type of decision they're going to make on the outfield situation, but hopefully it's a good decision. Don't forget to download the SiriusXM app and search Red Sox, and it'll generate the home broadcast for you of every game, so you can always be listening in even if you can't watch it live. It's so fun. It's great, so I highly recommend you doing it. Also, subscribe to Lockdown Sports today on YouTube because we as a network have launched the first ever 24-7 national sports streaming channel. It's the only network that has it. If you don't have time to sit and scroll through Twitter and catch up on all the big sports news, you can go into the stream and it'll always be on no matter what time of day it is, what time zone you're in. There's always going to be somebody on there and people are keeping you updated from Lockdown on everything going on in sports with all of our talented hosts. So subscribe to Lockdown Sports today on YouTube as well. As always, keep the faith, go Red Sox, and I will catch you on the flip side.